0: A-B-L-E-S. Ebels. Remember that name, because if you suffer from chronic joint and muscle pain like me, then Ebels Broad Spectrum CBD Oil is your answer to your prayers. The Ebels story began with the search for something natural to help manage chronic migraines, but Ebels helps more than just migraines. From managing chronic pain, anxiety, depression, and more, EBLS is truly a game changer in the natural alternatives to big pharma drugs. And yours truly, Brian Nichols, here on The Brian Nichols Show, can indeed vouch for the quality of Ebels, having a herniated disc in my back, Whew. coupled with years of sports injuries, I was struggling to find something, anything, to help manage my pain. That is, until ebels With the best quality product and customer service in the industry, ebels Broad Spectrum CBD Oil and Ebles Freeze Gel easily stand above all the competition. And right now, Ebles is offering a special discount to all members of the Brian Nickel Show audience on all orders. All you have to do is head to ebels.com and use promo code TB. NS, the Brian Nichols Show, right? TBNS at checkout. That's it. Disc on applied. Again, the code is TBNS at checkout to start managing your pain today with the highest and quality CBD and, and just on in the market. Uh, One more time. That is TBNS at checkout. And now, the lineup includes homeless people that believe in Bigfoot. Happy Friday, folks. Brian Nichols here on The Brian Nichols Show. We made it Friday. That's right. We made it through the week, which means we are going to wrap out this week with a phenomenal bow. That's right. We had Angel McCardle, Hannah Cox, and now Larry Sharp. Larry returns to The Brian Nichols Show, yes, to discuss his amazing, awesome program, The Sharp Way, but to help us here at The Brian Nichols Show, make the argument, libertarians, if you want to be an activist or if you want to be a candidate, yes, there are Two different roles out there for you libertarians, but it's important to figure out which role is best for you because not everybody's going to be able to do each role 100%. So, Larry returns to the show to make his case to the Brian Nichols Show audience, but also to help our audience be the best version of libertarian activists and candidates that they can actually be. So,
1: without further ado, on to the show, Larry Sharp here on the Brian Nichols Show. I am here. I made it. I mean, I I know you've been dissing me for a while. (laughs) I've been begging you to come on. You keep telling me, take a hike sharp. Oh, I don't goodness! not do with you. Larry Finally, Sharp. You, you brought me back on. Thank Larry you. Larry
0: Sharp, I thought you were an honorable man. Come on, tell my <laughs> audience all those, those falsehoods. Larry Sharp, it's always a pleasure to have you on, my friend. And you've been so busy over at the Sharp Way. Uh, you've been blown up there in New York. Uh, obviously, you ran for governor back in 2018 as a libertarian. You had the most success yep. of any libertarian candidate out there. And you got ballot access for libertarians going forward in New York, which is a big deal, especially. So I actually had Assemblyman Mark Walzik in the show talking about the, the budget they had and how they snuck through. We had to get a certain threshold for for ballot access going forward into their budget it's insanity so you're fighting the good fight larry let's kind of uh, reintroduce yourself though it's been a while since we been on the show the sharp way larry sharp who the heck is this this larry sharp guy we've
1: heard so much about can i give us a, a the, the spark notes who you are and, and kind of your path sadly sadly people can't see how handsome i am because that's my number one thing is my good looks but besides that um i actually uh look i'm a consultant a trainer a former marine Marine Corps birthday was two days ago. I don't know when this is being aired. Sorry, Marine Corps birthday was November Uh, (laughs) tenth, and the Veterans Day was November eleventh. So it's my time of year. Uh, So look, I'm trying to make things work. I'm trying to get people to understand that if you want Americans to change and be better, it's not about jumping on the bandwagon saying the other guy's bad. The other guy's bad just increases fear and everything that people liberty lovers hate that we hate every single one of those things came from scared Americans the war on terror the war on drugs uh prohibition uh taking away guns every single thing that we hate came from Americans being afraid so i'm trying my best to get our message out without making Americans afraid because once they're afraid we're in trouble
0: well, so that's the, the the dirty little secret, right Americans I think by and large kind of want to be afraid and i i've I've seen this across the board, Larry, and it's interesting I've heard more and more from some folks out there they just they kind of want to be told what to do, and it's kind of a weird thing to hear, but then at the same point in time, I kind of get it you look across the centuries and we've always had kind of whatever there's always some body out there that's kind of giving you the guiding light whether it's you're looking into your religion or in this case we're looking to government it seems a lot of people are looking for the the right way and to your point that led you to do the sharp way right so you've been focusing on promoting liberty trying to actually get people to realize that liberty is i think a very easy thing to understand when we apply it to our daily lives so larry let's kind of start off the sharp way What's kind of been your mission, and kind of what's been your 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 I guess your shtick, if you will, the thing that has Absolutely. been the catching point,
1: yeah. What what I am, and what makes some people very angry at me, is I'm the recruiter. Right, the people that I bring in are not libertarians. Right, I'm a marine. They, I didn't walk into boot camp a marine. I walked in a green seventeen year old knucklehead from the Bronx. And then three months later, I came on a Marine. So I bring people to the movement who aren't libertarian. And the amount of people who get mad at me, are oh, you not libertarian? I know! If, if, that's the point. If you, <laughs> yes, that's the point. How are we going to grow if we don't talk to people who aren't libertarians, right? Which is why the sharp way isn't the liberty way. It's not that. It's the sharp way. In fact, I rarely have libertarians on the sharp way. It is very rare that I have libertarians. I almost only have Democrats, Republicans, Greens, Independents, because my goal is twofold. My audience is give or take 50% libertarian, about 30% either Republican or conservative lean liberty, about 15% Democrat or liberal lean liberty, and about 5%, I don't know, just think I'm good looking. I don't know what it is, but about that, right? I got something in that area, right? So my goal is to get people who are on, who aren't libertarian. So that libertarians can see them and go, oh, that's why she thinks that. Oh, that's why he thinks that. They're not just evil people, statists who think taxation's awesome. That's not what it is. They actually have agendas and issues and things that they're concerned about. Maybe I shouldn't hate them because they aren't libertarian enough. Maybe I can have that conversation. Yep. And the next thing is some of those people come and when they're done, they start thinking better about us too. Like they know I'm a libertarian. I wear it on my sleeve, right? It's so clear I'm libertarian. I just don't yell it at them. So when I talk to them, they realize, oh, and then now something else happens. People come on my show who aren't libertarian all the time. Why? Because I don't own them. Because I don't yell at them. Because I don't call them names. Now, sometimes people in my comment section do, but I don't, right? So I don't do that. So they can come on my show and know I'm not going to yell at them. Even though, I mean, before I've had actual socialists on my show and I asked him the question, I literally said this. Okay, so how were you going to decide, it's a true story, how are you going to decide what businesses you seize? <laughs> and they answered the question. Like he was like, well, this is how we'll do it. I'm like, okay, got you. <laughs> I mean, right? So, but, but that's the kind of concept we have to have. And then, but the funny part is though, he then began to back off because he hurt himself. And he's never had to have an audience that didn't think that's a one seizing businesses. Wonderful idea. He's never had an audience that would go, you sure you want to do that? He's never had that. Well, he had it. So he had to rethink some things. So I I think that's the reason why I'm doing what I'm doing. I'm trying to bring more people together. I really believe that the only way of fixing our country is to have a viable libertarian party. And the way we do that, people ask me all the time, Larry, do you talk about liberty or libertarianism as about libertarianism? I don't. I don't. I just give people real solutions for their problems that are liberty based. That's what I do. Yes. If I'm winning, then I, then the person says to me, oh, you must be insert their party. Right. Oh, you're obviously a Democrat because they're Democrat or you're obviously Republican because they're Republican. That's what I do. People often say we have to make sure the libertarian name and party is a good brand. How do you do that? By yelling taxation theft? No. (laughs) By actually being a person they want to talk to and listen to, and then that face becomes libertarianism. You know, how many people came to our party because of, you know, Ron Paul, because of uh, 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 Gary Johnson, me, Gary Gary Johnson, but me, Gary Johnson. Um, you know, Harry Brown, right? So many people came to a party because of a face that they go, oh, that guy makes sense. That guy makes sense. And then, oh, he's a what, librarian? Oh, no, libertarian. Oh, libertarian. Go on, libertarian. Okay, that. Right, 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 right. Yes, that's how we do it. And I think that's really the answer. And that's what I'm trying to do.
0: Yeah. And, and you hit the, the nail on the head, right? Not focusing on winning, right? We can't and I think you, you, you're you starting to focus more on the greater problem we've seen, not just in the libertarian movement, but also I think in our little hive minds that we've all developed is that we get into our little group think, you know, groups on Facebook and we talk to each other and we've gotten all of our ideas so pinpointed down. But then when we have to actually go out and talk to people out in real life, we, we're woefully lacking um, because yes. we, we're so we're so focused on being right that we're not focused on how can we take these ideas which are in some worlds uh, very alien to some people but actually to show them that it is yes to your point larry the solution to a lot of the problems that yes. they have in their lives and you you're a sales guy I'm a sales guy. That's not a bad thing. And I think there's been a really Absolutely. there's been a really negative connotation with sales because people think of the snake oil salesman, but no, salesmen mm-hmm. are are problem solvers. They they bring yep. solutions to the table. And too often libertarians have been afraid I think to bring up our libertarian solutions and more so just we look to attack things because I think we yes. look at the left and the right and say, well, if we, if we present a solution that's not their solution, though they're not going to be on our side. But we can attack the same problem. Like, we're Republicans, and we say, yeah, Obamacare is bad. But then we're like, and we shouldn't replace it with anything. Let the free market go to, go to town... Republicans are going to be like, wait, you mean we're not going to repeal and replace like it was the mantra back in 2012? And I think that's where a lot of libertarians have lost some folks. So, Larry, I'm going to ask you, is it maybe a a problem that libertarians just haven't had too many libertarian solutions? Or is it that we haven't been vocal enough in presenting our libertarian solutions in a way that folks can understand?
1: We don't have libertarian solutions. We have rhetoric. That's what we have is rhetoric and history lessons. That's not impressive, right? This is how this is how the ask libertarian asks the question. So, how are you going to fix education? Well, let me tell you how bad it is and, blah, 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 <laughs> and all the reasons on why it's bad and how government screwed it up. And the answer is get government out. That doesn't make anybody feel better who doesn't already you know think that. If you're a libertarian, you clap your hands. Yeah, oh, amazing. And this and I want to be clear: there's a place for that but that, that space is taken up already. There are 85,000 Liberty podcasts who yell that stuff all day long. And that's wonderful. That motivates our base. It keeps them excited. It gets our activists up in the morning saying, so go out and be activists. We need them to be activists. And I want to be clear, I'm talking from a candidate's point of view, not an activist point of view. Sometimes activists should be yelling taxation is theft or should be making people angry. That's an activist job. So I'm actually okay with that. I'm not okay with candidates doing it. Candidates have to be only solution based. Activists can be both or either depending upon their audience. Right. So I still want to motivate my activists. But we already have that. I'm trying to create something that we don't have, which is how to get candidates that have actual solutions. If a candidate just says, get government out, here's a history lesson, no one says yes to that. And we see by our results, as we keep getting 2% every single election, we see that by our results. But when you actually start giving them solutions, everyone who remembers me from 2018, I've only run one time. People think, you're always running. I've run one time. And I still make, I make impact and I don't have to run. I can still be a decent activist, a decent person who supports people. I can still got to raise money for people without having to run. But when I ran, I had actual solutions. That's why I got on Joe Rogan. Because he loved my bridge idea. My my, my leasing naming rights for bridge. That's why I got on the show. People got on the show because I got on people's show because I did my regulate um ma- uh, cannabis like onions. Yes. Right, those types of my K through 10 versus K through 12 idea, right? These are the ideas that were libertarian based. The ideas is you can get good service without having to raise taxes and without forcing people. And that's all my policies. My policies are, how do I get better service without raising one tax dollar and without forcing anybody to do anything? That's how it's going to fix our roads. That's how it's going to fix our schools. That's how it's going to fix everything. an actual answer. That's what turned Democrats and Republicans onto me. And so, as candidates, we must do better. We're bad at it.
0: And we have to talk to people that aren't libertarian, to your point, right? Because you would not have won over Larry, liberta- or non libertarians if you had just only gone to a libertarian podcast, right? Yeah, you had to go speak to people outside of our comfort zone because, I mean, yep. at the end of the day, if if we're trying to you know change people's minds, we actually have to talk to the people whose minds we're trying to change, and I, yes. I've seen that, right? That's that's just I get so frustrated when I watch libertarians in, in their groups of, of, you know, on Facebook and they talk all these, these delusions of grandeur. And I say that because they're talking about all these great things that they're going to do. And, and Larry, I don't know about you, but I've seen this way too often that it's always a matter of what we're going to do, not matter of what we've actually accomplished. And I, I'm, I'm at that point, right. And I think this is maybe the sales guy in me, right. But I'm looking for KPIs. I'm looking for, what are we actually yep. getting in return from what we're putting forth in our efforts? And to your point, are we gonna keep doing this one two percent game every single time? Or
1: are we going to demand better? And I think again, that requires- Why do you a- think I didn't run for office this year? Mm. Yeah. Because I knew I couldn't deliver. <laughs> Hit I knew upon that, yeah. I couldn't deliver, right? I say this. Here is the issue that we have in our party consistently. Someone tries to run, and they run because I've got I'm gonna spew liberty and people want liberty. First off, that's a lie. We've been telling ourselves that lie forever. Americans don't want liberty and freedom. What they want is answers for their problems. It's our job to show them that the way is through liberty and freedom. But they don't actually want that. They want answers for that. That's why they keep voting for the same idiots. Well, people finally got to get a choice. They don't want choice. If they wanted choice, we wouldn't have only two parties, would we? Clearly, the evidence of these lies we've been telling ourselves is not true for decades. I say it. I get yelled at. How dare you say that? Because the evidence is there, guys. What Americans want is solutions for their problems. It's our job to give them liberty-based solutions. If we fail at that, they won't vote for us. But anyway, I I digress. Yes. My point is people run thinking those two things, get their asses kicked, as I did too, by the way. My 2% was not awesome. So I'm not sitting there acting like I'm all great. I screwed up too. But the difference is they they run, get 2% and do one of two things. 2 percent's great. See, look how good we did. We got 2% and did the exact same thing again. 2% sucks. That's not great. What is the impact you made? Now, Shane Hazel got 2% in, in, in Georgia too, but he forced the runoff. That's impact. That's a I'll big take deal. that 2% every day of the week. Oh, that man. I want. But I don't want just 2%. I want impact in some way, shape, or form. My 2% got us ballot access. That's impact. If if I can get, if I can double or triple number of registered libertarians, I tripled mine. I went from 7,000 to 21,000. That's impact, I'll buy that. But that's the first thing. They say it's great and keep going. Or second, libertarians suck and leave the party. That's what we do. I'm trying to be the change that I want. Run for office, get your ass kicked, learn from it, help others stay. That's what I'm doing. I want others to do that. And I hope more will. And to be forward, I am seeing a lot of that. This party is on the move, like there's no tomorrow. We have people who are doing better, people who are staying, more people who are who are broadening our donor base, people who are getting more points. I mean, look at look at what uh, Harrington did in, in Arkansas. Yeah. Look at what Rainwater did in Indiana. Adopian. Look at the winds we got in Wyoming. I mean, we are we're making impact, so we are actually growing. What I want to do is now. Not fall backwards. And my worry now is see, if we just would have been more principled, we would have won. No, principles are not our problem. They're not. Communication is our problem. Dedication is our problem. Infrastructure building is our problem. These are our problems we have to work on. If we work on those, the principle will come. We got that. There are 14,000 podcasts talking about principle every day. We got that down. Let's not go to 15,000 of those. Let's instead build the other aspects so we can keep growing. Yes. Because I believe in my heart, this is the only way to fix this country. There's no other way. The the two main parties are making us deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper in in, in our own bubbles. I mean, people are are, are happy that Republicans are rushing over to parlor instead of Facebook. I'm not. That's just another form of division. They're like, good riddance. No, no, I can't talk to them. How am I ever going to convert them if they keep running away from me? So people tease me. Well, Larry, you going to go on Parlor now? Yes, I am. Happily. Yep. I'm going to go on whatever I need to be on. Yes. I'm going to go on Parlor. I'm going to go on MeWe. I'm going to go on Facebook and every one of them. I'm, dude, I'm greedy. I want 7 billion libertarians. If I don't get 7 billion libertarians, I'm not done. I'm not done. I'm greedy. And I can't get them unless I talk to them. Yes. So I guess I'm going to parlor two then or wherever the hell they go. Well, we need our marketplace.
0: That's the thing. Like people – so (laughs) – you can pick your marketplace, but if you're selling ideas, right, the idea is it's not a product. You can't keep, it's not a renewable, like, oh, you're going to go buy your, your can of Pepsi every single day. Liberty is one of those things where it has to be transferable. And there is, you yes. know, a, a finite amount of people on this earth. It's not just a matter of trying to always push the ideas forward. But to your point, Larry, to not see them go backwards. And I would say that mm-hmm. we're at a very dangerous point right now where a lot of yes. people are trying to, silence and push ideas away so I would say it's more on us to also get away from the tradition I say traditional is funny because in 2020 that seems like the only way we can really talk to each other is over the internet but (laughs) <laughs> to mask up if you have to based on I mean where the hell ever you are and go out and talk to people in their communities. I mean I had um Angela McArdle on the show back here on Monday and she's uh, the LP chair out in um in LA and she was you yep. know she's been leading these uh these protests trying to to protest the lockdowns and you know I don't care if you're pro lockdown anti lockdown but she's going out and she's talking to people in her community about issues yep. that matter to them. And that's exactly yep. what libertarians need to do. It's also I would ask Larry you know your your thoughts on this. I've approached things when you're talking to people, you have to be, you know, having the conversation that they're having in their minds and kind of look to see what's their bed bug problem? What's their, their, you know, their, their nine o'clock at night, they're getting ready to go to bed and that, that idea just pops in their head and they're like, ah, oh, that, that's right there. I still have to take care of that, right? What has been the bed bug problem that Americans have had that we have not discussed? And how do we focus on that in a libertarian way that will pique their interest? Then we can push them towards the other libertarians out there to, to educate them along the way.
1: Well, the funny thing is when I do events, and I do a lot of events, I did 62 events in five weeks trying to drum up support for my, uh, you know, for the Libertarian Party this year um, at the end of the uh, of the presidential candidate uh, candidacy. Didn't work as well as I wanted to, but I did it anyway. Um, I cover my state every year. I, I go to every county every year. And when God I do that, <laughs> yes, every, every, I do it every time. And when I do it, when I get there early, I literally meet people and ask them why they came. What's their issue? I ask that question because it's different places, right? And then I then make my presentation based upon what they told me. So that's how I do an event every time. I go, what's your issue? What's your issue? Okay, great. I bring those things up. And the thing that I hear constantly is, holy crap, he actually answered my question. Like I cared about homeschooling and he gave me an actual plan in New York State to support homeschooling, oh my God, right? He cares, He, I, I'm mad about my small business and he gave me a plan to support small business. He gave me a plan to fix potholes, right? I gave him an actual plan to fix potholes which in every plan I've ever had, no new taxes, no forcing. How about Those are my two rules. Yep. When I sat with my policy team, which I did for literally a year, every Monday night we, we sat together for an hour. The rules were always the same. No new taxes, no mandates. Otherwise, it's not one of my policies. Like those are the rules I may not break. Anything else we can work on, we'll talk about how we're going to go down and go up. But two rules that were total rule breakers, that they that, that were deal breakers. No new taxes, no more spending in any way, shape, or form. No more spending at all, zero, not even a penny, and no mandates whatsoever. You do that, let's talk about policy. That's what I would do. So the issues I found almost those, believe it or not, they're either hyper-local, like my potholes, right. right? like hyper-local, or why is Walmart coming here, right? It's hyper-local, or it is so broad and affects nothing. Like, you know, we've got to stand up to China, which means nothing. Right, exactly. It doesn't affect your life at all. It means nothing so either hyper local or up high in the sky means nothing. Those are the, what I found constantly. You know, we you know we got to support our troops. It means nothing. That's not a thing, right? But to that person, yeah, it is. I, I I'll never forget this. 2018. I'm in North Country in New York State, home sweet home. And yep, there we go. And for and for those who don't know about that area, you know, people have had farms in those areas for literally hundreds of years.
0: Yes, my family, one of them. Yes, absolutely.
1: There we go. Hundreds of years. It's a common thing in upstate New York. Um, not so much Long Island, New York City, but way common upstate New York and western New York. Those two areas very common have have a fa- a farm in a family for hundreds of years. So this guy tells me he's got a farm that's six generation farm. He's in trouble. He's gonna lose it. You know that's the it's the end for him. And he had a question for me. So I thought, okay, he's so going to ask about my farm plan, which I had one for both farmers and dairy farmers. For those of you who don't know, New York State has a lot of dairy farmers. So both dairy farmers and regular farmers, you know which, which one it is, I, I assume that. You know what his question was? 2018, his question was, what do you think about Trump? Trump wasn't running in 2018. Yeah. Trump was going to be the president for the next two years, regardless of what happened, whether I won or lost. Trump being president wasn't going to affect his farm in any way, shape, or form. That kind of thing is what I saw up there. Didn't matter. Didn't affect him at all. Or the 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 micro thing. Now the top thing. What they're actually asking, and this is what a, a person has to understand this. What they're actually asking is, can I trust you? That's the actual question. But it. But they say it like, got it. Don't we? Have, how are we going to stand up to China? that he doesn't actually want an answer. He's asking, can I trust you? What do you think about Trump? He doesn't actually want an answer. He's asking, can I trust you? And that is what we see as a third party more than anything. We are seen as unknown and untrustworthy. If you're from the left, you know all Republicans are evil. You can't trust them. And all Democrats are wonderful and perfect. If you're from the right, you know all Republicans are wonderful, perfect, and you can't trust any Democrat. It's clear. You know where that is. Absolutely. But but libertarians, ooh, that's where we get those questions. And if you answer that question right, which means the right answer, by the way, is an answer that he believes is true, that doesn't blame anybody, that's the right answer.
0: And we have to start building the resume, right? This is one thing I think a lot of libertarians, they, they fail to realize or just at the very least fail to acknowledge is that your average person, they do care about the resume. They care that, you know, when they go to vote for the person that they say, Oh, you know, I'm voting for my U S Senator. Were they a former state senator or a former assembly person? Uh, when they're voting for assembly, were they a former, former county legislator or a former town supervisor? Those are things that actually matter. So I would say it's also imperative that libertarians, and this actually goes to a former LP chair. Candidate candy tontogopians um approach is is focusing on local elections we really have to dig deep in in focusing on bringing good like True libertarian solutions to localities and running people who are talking about those issues. And Larry, one thing that I think is really great, and you're exemplifying not just in New York State, because people think of New York State as like Blue Haven. It's not. It's, it's like an <laughs> entirely different state than people think. Upstate New York yep. is as red as Texas. And you, you would see county by county, each county has fundamentally different things that matter to that county. And if that does yep. not speak to the 50 states that we have as a nation, I, I think... If we're libertarian candidates, we have a responsibility to, to preach almost as this federal federalist approach, right? This hyper-local, to your point, approach on how to live your life. Because at the end of the day, I, I think your average person is, is going to be empathetic to the idea of, okay, if I'm in St. Lawrence County or if I'm in the Bronx, right? Should the person in St. Lawrence County be living by the exact same laws that the person in the Bronx is and vice versa? No, because the areas are completely not only in, in terms of the populations, but geography, the, the the setting it's St. Lawrence is physically the largest county in New York State. Exactly. It, it's the third largest yep. east of the Mississippi River. It's a huge county. Yep. It's my home county. Yep. It's like people don't realize that these counties, I mean, they it's sad are That I know that, right? Yeah, well, I mean, if you were in all <laughs> 62 counties that you were driving across New York State, Larry, my god, your 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 GPS <laughs> must have uh, you you have every single landmark checked off as you're going through from (laughs) Niagara Falls all the way to Plattsburgh and in between but Larry that's the thing people I think are are, looking for some answers right now because everything's just so chaotic and we need to break through the white noise but again as we, we kind of go full circle and put a bow in this episode to your point it requires us to get out of our own comfort zones and actually go to the people that we're trying to convince and meet them where they're at. And I would say that requires us to get uncomfortable. We have to go out of our comfort zones, go to where they are. And, and honestly, it's going to be one of those things where you're the only libertarian in the event. But, you know, hey, listen, be, be proud, be courageous
1: and speak your truth. I think but, people but are more. The question here becomes, are you going there as an activist or as a candidate? Right. Right. If yes, you're that's very true. As an activist, your goal is to get people to actually care about the issue. Yes. Right. That's a lot of people don't even know that that the, that that the military industrial complex is a massive jobs program. Right. Most people don't even I tell a story all the time. There was a there was a time when I was doing a, a teaching I, I, uh, when when King Andrew, the his majesty, uh, all hail the king, allowed me to teach before I became non-essential. I used to do some teaching. And when I would teach, you know, in one of the classes I was in, I'm I'm teaching a class. These are, the the audience, my, my, my students are educated, credentialed New York City workers, professionals, mostly men, but some women, all over 30, some as old as 60. That's the environment I'm in. At that point, I never talk about politics unless it's during a break or someone asks. During a break, someone says out loud, knowing that I know about my politics, goes, yay, I'm so glad we had the Fed. Man, we had the Fed. We would have, the crash would have been tr- terrible if the Fed saved us during the crash. He said that. Someone looked at me like, yeah, right? Like, wanted me to go, yeah, wanted me to do that. And I said, all I said was, do you guys know that the Fed is like a private bank? It's basically it's a, a cartel system is what it really is. Every one of them, no, 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 no. <laughs> I said, "Check you, you got your phones, Google it. And they were like, stupid, Larry. And they went and Googled it. And obviously here. Whoa. Oh, my God. Wow. Nobody knew that. These were educated. These were credentialed adults who work for the city in New York. They did not know the Fed was a private bank. Activists need to be more active in that community and let them know. Now, a candidate doesn't have to do that. Right. A candidate has to have an answer for the crash. That's the difference between the two. If if they don't know what's going on, the activist has done their job. If they now know what's going on and go, Larry, how are you going to fix the Fed? Activist did their job. Now the candidate has the answer. Here's how we deal with this. Here's our first step. Here's phase one. And I know in this case, as you said local, in this specific case, the state constitution doesn't allow this, but it allows that. So we have to make this change or that change or banking changes here or shifts there. That's what a candidate has to know. We do that. We will start rock and rolling without question. We will. But I, I want to go to one more step. You talked about the idea of, you know, being hyper local. Localism is one of our best, one of our best ideas that we have. A lot of people like that. You're right. Right. The, the problem we have in New York state and you know, is that everyone upstate goes, New York city runs everything right? And a part of that's true. But imagine if you could just be local. The people who live in Brooklyn, man, they love Brooklyn. So why would I change Brooklyn? They really love it. Have you met people from Brooklyn? Man, they love Brooklyn. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about. They think Brooklyn's a separate city. They love Brooklyn. So why would I change it? They love it. And let the people in St. Lawrence County be St. Lawrence. If we let everybody be each other, then St. Lawrence doesn't care about Brooklyn. Them crazy people in Brooklyn do what they want. Brooklyn, Them crazy people in St. Lawrence do what they want. And life is good. I think that's that really works well. So I want to, to stress that piece. But there's one more piece I want to add on top of that. Whether we should worry about local or non-local, we can do both. But the answer is very different answers for each. The top of our ticket has the least chance of victory but the highest chance of press. So when we're picking the top of our ticket, I know it's going to sound horrible. Principles are important, but not the only piece. It's more about how much money can they raise? How will they in front of a camera? How can they begin to take that press and then bring it down? Because bottom of the ticket has best chance of victory, but least chance of press. So we've got to rotate that. So when I ran in 2018, I got tons of press. So what did I do in 2019? I covered the state again and gave that press to all local people. The press came to see me again. Oh, it's Lyra shot the governor guy. Yep. Yes, it is. And today I'm talking about this guy who's running for a local office. And we had 103 victories in New York State in 2019. Love it. We went from zero victories to 103. That's from my race. That's how you do it. That's how we can do both, right? Because what eventually happens is, to, to, to Hal Gopian's point, the junior people, began to began they become our bench. And then they begin to come up. But I can't get them elected if I can't get them pressed, which is why I need a good top of the ticket. Top of the ticket gets in the press so that they can actually win the damn thing. So we need both.
0: It's almost as if all this stuff kind of, uh, I you know links together in some way, Larry. Yes. It's weird how that all happens. And you know what? That's why people need to make sure that they're, they're listening to every single possible person they can, our movement, who knows a thing or two about what they're talking about. And that's why I cannot encourage folks enough to head over to the Sharp Way. Make sure they give a, a subscribe over there. And Larry, obviously, will include all the links for your social media in the show notes. With that being said, this is the, the part of the show, you know, I, I, I don't usually do, but I think with somebody like you, Larry, I think, uh, my audience, Last words of wisdom, right? Because you know we're we're wrapping up here in 2020. We're going into the holidays, and I think um, folks they're they're a little burnt out and they're looking for a little optimism as we go forward. The libertarian movement they got a nice kick between the legs, and we're recovering. We're licking our wounds. So, what's some mm-hmm. some things to look forward to as we head into 2021?
1: I'll do two things. I'll give you generic words of wisdom, and then some good some good views. Generic words of wisdom. It's always emotion and then logic, connection before you solve the problem people don't care what you know until they know that you care so first talk about things they care about connect with them and then give them the solution you don't just want to yell you're wrong i'm right the way we're going to win this thing is not through winning arguments or winning uh debates you don't see me debate or argue it's not what i do is no value in it what do i do i have conversation after conversation, after conversation, after conversation. In 2016, I put out a 10-year plan. I'm only four years in. I got six left because I knew this would take time. This is changing the culture of both the party and the, and the country. And it takes, as a Marine I know, the goal of a Marine is to make more leaders. So I'm trying to make more leaders. I only ran one time. Now I'm supporting others. I'm trying to make others win too. So that's the words of wisdom. Now for the future, we are absolutely on the move. There is no doubt. The evidence is everywhere. It's demonstrably true. The amount of time we've got in the press, the amount of people who are saying they're supporting us. Joe Rogan said he voted libertarian. Right? I mean, the, There are so many pieces. And they're fighting us harder than ever, which is the biggest thing. As they begin to fight us, if you notice every one of them, the right insults us, the left dismisses us. That's how you know we're winning. The more the right is angry at us and the more the left dismisses us, the more we're winning. Every Republican uh, will talk about us voting. It was like, you dummies, why would you be so stupid to vote for this? You got to vote for Trump. And every Democrat goes, stupid, wasting your vote, throwing away. Left is dismissive, right is aggressive. The more they're doing it, the more we're winning. So it's there everywhere. We're making impact. It is working we have better candidates, we have more money, everything's going well. If you think about how if you think about how this covid crisis should have devastated us, it didn't. It didn't. We were still able to make impact and get some victories through it all. And here's the best part, the best of it all. So many people who've run now actually feel supported and they're staying. That didn't happen before. And the person that uses the post child for that is, is Donald Rainwater in Indiana. Bingo. He, he ran local, got his butt kicked local, learned his lesson, brushed off, got back on the horse, and kicked ass as a governor candidate. And now Indiana has infrastructure to support a whole lot more people, both donors, volunteers, activists. The infrastructure is built because of guy's like him. This is working. And the most important boss, it's the only way to save us. Democrats, Republicans aren't going to save us. There has to be a group of people who are going to say, you can be as liberal as you want to be, or as conservative as you want to be. Just stop forcing your views on others. That's who we are. You want to live in Brooklyn and be super liberal? Good on you, man. If you want to live in St. Lawrence County and be super conservative, good on you. Or or find some place in the middle. All good. As long as you stop forcing others to be like you, we're good. There's a lot of hope for us.
0: Don't hurt people. Don't take their stuff. I mean, hey, let's just leave it there. Larry Sharp, as always, a fantastic conversation. The Sharp Way with Larry Sharp. I'll make sure I include the link to that in the show notes. Larry, as always, thanks for so much for joining the Brian Nickel Show.
1: Good seeing you, brother.
0: A quick read from our new sponsor, and that is the Expat money show. Now, if you are a long time listener or even a relatively new listener here on the Brian Nichols show, then you remember our good friend, Mikkel Thorup from the expat money show. What an episode to learn that just because you were born in one country doesn't mean that you have to pay your taxes there forever to do your banking there, or to have your investments there, raise your family there, or even have your companies registered there, learn there, get your kids educated there or even live your life there. How about that? You can go ahead and live your life wherever it is you see fit, because the Expat Money Show, which is hosted by our friend Mikhail Thorup, originally started as a podcast but has grown to a worldwide community of entrepreneurs who are living international location-independent lifestyles. Mikkel is focused on helping you live an international life by looking at problems through the lens of global solutions. In this day and age, there is no reason you should let borders get in the way of having the best the world has to offer. So, Brian Nichols Show audience, head over to the Expat Money Show today. Give Mikkel a subscribe, a fantastic show, and tell him that Brian Nichols sent you. Alrighty, folks, that's going to wrap up my conversation with Larry Sharp. Always great to have Larry Sharp back on the program. And as always, if you have not had the chance yet to support our guest as they uh, are doing amazing work, in this case, Larry over at the Sharp Way, well, please go ahead and make sure you uh, support Larry, but also tell him that Brian Nichols sent you. Now, also, if you had not had the chance yet to look back at our amazing episodes for this past week, yes, on Monday we had LP Chair Candidate, and uh, yes, she is making her case why she thinks that the lockdown should be the number one discussion point from the Libertarian Party, and actually, I I candidly believe uh, believe her and also support that idea. Angela McCardle, Yes, Angela McCardle joined the show on Monday. Hannah Cox returned to the show here back on Wednesday, uh, helping break down some criminal justice reform victories for liberty. And then here today, obviously Larry Sharp uh, putting the bow on top of our trifecta of amazing episodes. Now heading into next week, Michael Heiss. Michael Heiss is the head of the Mises Caucus. He joins the show to discuss uh, really the, the goal of the Mises Caucus as they've been going through, and making some inroads over the past few years in the Libertarian Party, but also some goals as we head to 2022 and 2024. Camelia uh, Peterson, she joins the show. She is the editor-in-chief of uh, the Libertarian Republic here on Wednesday, so Camelia makes her uh, her appearance to the show to discuss not only um, being the editor-in-chief of one of the largest Libertarian news publications out there, but also she's much more pro-LP versus uh, her boss, Austin Peterson, um, who's taken much more of a GOP approach, and actually we've had Austin on the show multiple times, so make sure you go back and listen to Austin's pitch back before the election. Actually, he was going more towards GOP over LP. So uh, yes, Camellia makes her uh, appearance here on the Brian Eagle Show next Wednesday. And then coming up on Friday, guys, strap in because we are going to be going away to a galaxy far, far away. Stephen Kent from Beltway Banthas joins the show because uh, believe it or not, guys, I am a huge, huge, huge Star Wars fan. And uh, it actually uh, kind of, Borderlines into nerddom, and with that, Stephen is doing an amazing podcast over at Beltway Banthas that takes an overtly political look at the world of Star Wars, and that's been something that I've been teasing with. I wanted to do it. I've, I've had extended invites to folks who do Star Wars pages to say, "Hey, you guys want to talk about libertarianism in Star Wars?" And believe it or not, a lot of folks in the Star Wars world. Aren't exactly rabid libertarians. So to have someone like Steven, not only who's taking a very uh, overviewed look of Star Wars from a philosophical political lens, but he's as passionate and nerdy about Star Wars as I am. So Steven joins the show to discuss his amazing podcast and how there are definitely some, uh, some, some, what? At the very least, we have some rhyming of real life with uh, what we see in politics in uh, in Star Wars. So, it's a great conversation. Definitely looking forward to that as we come up here on Friday. And then, guys, a special, special, special Thanksgiving treat for you guys. Coming up here this Thanksgiving on Thursday, I am hosting a debate. Yes, it is between former LP chair candidate Josh Smith and crowdfunded government guy, the guy who doesn't want the Libertarian Party to exist, Theodore Quinoa, crowdfunded government. We are debating what's the best way to advance liberty. Is it to actually advance it via the market or via the Libertarian Party? Now, Josh is going to be taking more of a Libertarian Party approach, and Theodore yeah, he takes the alternative, believe it or not. So make sure you uh, you strap in for that amazing bonus episode, that debate coming up here on Thanksgiving. Yes, I am giving you guys something to be thankful for. So you know the drill. be Nichols Liberty, Twitter, Facebook, Minds.com, and Parlor.com. if you had not had the chance yet. Swing over there. Make sure you give us a follow over on independent media, especially like that being of Parlor cannot recommend it enough. Also, if you had not had the chance yet, make sure you go ahead and enter our amazing Eble's Freeze Gel giveaway. Go ahead, five-star rating and review over on Apple Podcasts, send me that screenshot of said review, and you'll be entered into our amazing Eble's Freeze Gel giveaway. So guys, with that being said, a lot of amazing shows to get ready for next week, four, four podcasts to uh, strap in for, I'm going to be appearing on a few shows, so I'll make sure I include the links to those. But also, maybe I'll drop some bonus uh, content here in the feed as we go through next week. But, guys, it's been a blast. We have so much going on here at The Brian Nichols Show with so much more coming down the pike. So, that being said, get ready because we have so much awesome stuff in store for you guys. So, that being said, guys, it's Brian Nichols signing off here this week for Larry Sharp. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to The Brian Nichols Show.